This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome, welcome. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vet with Dr. Jeff. Live for the next 30 minutes here for you, here for your pets. And also, uh, welcome to my Instagram followers that are joining me. And as I always say, I'm so glad to have you all here. But I want to hear from you on anything you want to talk about, any subject, you name it. Just, you know, let's, let's talk about it. You know, it's so hard to get to your vet now. And I know that. In fact, there was a story out of people.com. That by 2000, what they say by 2030 or something, there's going to be basically 73,000 pets will not have access to pet care. It is insane if this continues with the number of veterinarians retiring every year. So it's a big concern. So having something like this, having education on air, having telemedicine, I mean, it's going to be such a huge, huge boom for pet parents everywhere. And I, this, these kind of stories just share it. So how to get a hold of me? Join me here live. If you have any questions, things you want to talk about, please type it in. I can't accept requests to join me live now, but I can always get a hold of you during the week. Here on Pet Life Radio, very easy. 1-877-385-8882, 877-385-8882. Better yet, go on to PetLifeRadio.com, click on Shows, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and there's a Zoom link. It'll be left there for you, and you can join me here and have your pet with you. It's great. Get used to it because <laughs> that's, in fact, in fact, one of the, the blurbs I'm going to talk about is what the state of Hawaii is doing, which I think is so cool. So anyway, firstly, one of the feel-good stories, and I like feel-good stories because there's a lot of stuff going on that's not so good, but this is a good one. So Meals on Wheels is studying how their clients feed and prepare for their pets. And what they've noticed, they did a study and they're working on that now. They're, they're, they're doing researching all of their regular clients who have pets. And then what they did was years ago, you know, obviously there's plenty of studies out there, how pets reduce anxiety, reduce stress, give me a reason to hang in there and to, and to live and to thrive every day and get up in the morning and hang with their pets. So they discovered that some clients actually split their meals with their pets. So now they're seeing, knowing the, the benefits, they're seeing if they can actually start sending food, not only to their clients for themselves, for the people, but also for their pets. Because as I said, many of them are splitting their food anyway. That's so sad. So hats off to Meals on Wheels. That's a, a great service. Obviously, it's funded. So that's really wonderful that they're, they care not only for their clients who are in need, but also for their pets, which is terrific. So also with what's going on in Ukraine and what poor Ukraine is being done by Russia and Belarus. So this is this, uh, the uh, cat group. It's called the International Cat Federation has banned, banned any Russians from international shows. So I think that obviously if they live in Russia, so they are not allowed to participate in their international competitions and shows until at least for now, until the end of May. Obviously, they're waiting to see what happens after that. But anyway, that's something. And I, as you know, more and more companies are starting to do the same. But I think that in the, in the pet world, the fact that they are, the International Cat Federation is doing that, I think that is fantastic. Anyway, speaking of um, uh, Kiev, I mean, well, of Ukraine, 
The Kiev Zoo workers, listen to this, have been staying. They have over 4,000 animals at the zoo, and they're stuck. The zoo employees, the workers, the keepers are staying with them 24 hours a day with the animals, and basically trying to keep them calm, as warm as they can, as well-fed as they can. Food, obviously, is now very, very limited. And, uh, you know, the bombs going off freaks them out. The sirens, the bomb sirens going out freaks them out. And um, unfortunately, so supplies and food are getting low. And the big issue is they can't transport them. There's no way to get out. There's no safer way. And they don't have veterinary care or transportation available for these animals. So these are the ones that you wish you can hop on a plane and go over and help. It is really, really sad. And unfortunately, this is what's going on over there. So very, very sad state, you know, for not only obviously for the Ukrainian people, but also for the animals at the zoo. So this is what I wanted to talk about. It's slowly happening. We're seeing it from the state of Hawaii. And those of us that are involved in telemedicine, telehealth, and as you know, I'm chief veterinary officer of AirVet. My son, Brandon, is the whiz who, who runs it, CEO. So I already get it. I understand the value. I've understood it for years for my clients because in a sense, when, when you call your clients after hours or you're finally sitting down with a long list of messages that the receptionist left for me during the day and I'm starting to make my callbacks, how many things can I actually answer? How many cases can I help without even seeing the pet? And the answer is a lot, a ton of them actually. So what's going on now is with veterinary shortage, waiting time's insane. You realize you're gonna have a sick animal, you call your vet and they go, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, we can see you. How's May 1st? I mean, no, May 1st is not good. I got a sick animal now. And then also try to get into emergency and, and you get to wait six to 12 hours. Or if you have a new pet, you've adopted a new pet, you did the right thing, you know, they need good homes. And now you call the local vets to see when you get, oh no, I'm sorry, we just can't accept new clients. And we don't, we're not seeing new pets. This is the world that we're in. So state of Hawaii, also feeling the shortage. I love this will temporarily allow licensed veterinarians in other states to offer telemedicine and, and to allow graduates, here's another big thing, graduates of international veterinary schools to get licensed in the states, you have to jump through a lot of hoops. And yeah, I mean, yes, we wanna make sure they're qualified, but they usually are qualified. And the problem is like California is one of the toughest states. And if they have command of the English language, what Hawaii is saying now, instead of jumping through all those hoops, all they have to do is sit and take their boards. And if they pass their boards, they can get licensed. It's a licensure exam. Then they can start practicing because they already are feeling the brunt of, of the care that has been extremely affected by all this. So, and they also are getting, because they are, I have so few specialists, a lot of the GPs are seeing things that they probably, if given an option, would have referred to a specialist. So the problem is now the GPs are so overwhelmed, you can't get an appointment with them either. So it, it's sort of like the domino effect, and that's what we're getting. And it's really, really tough. It's very, very sad. So that's unfortunately what's going on. So hats off to Hawaii, because those of us in telemedicine, I'm one of those, we already know that it's very, very important to um, give access. I personally conducted over 3,500 virtual visits on AirVet. And I have probably, as far as emergencies, maybe 60, 70 max have really, really were emergencies. In fact, I had a call last night and a dog, a 40 pound dog, ate a little piece of a milk chocolate candy bar, a little piece. So first thing I said when I took the call is, you didn't save any for me, I'll take it. But Am I worried about a 40-pound dog eating a little piece? It's not so respected colleague at all times. His name is Dr. Google. You ever heard of him? 
So I went on to Dr. Google and they said, oh my God, chocolate, you got to rush into the emergency right now. So can you picture this, this poor gal sitting in a car for hours because her dog ate a little piece of chocolate that is going to have zero effect. And then by the time she gets there, she's going to have to, what, an office call at an emergency clinic? A, what, walk in the door, is 250 bucks? I mean, that's an expensive candy bar. And if they were to convince them to oh, can't pump the stomach now because you've already been waiting for two, three hours to get there. So if it was really something where the stomach needed to be pumped, where they had to induce vomiting and it was within two hours, it could be done. But after that, you're wasting your time. So what's happened is it's sort of like the self-fulfilling prophecy. You are going to need more care if you can't get the care you need when you need it. And that's what's happening. So anyway, I told her next time she has leftover chocolate, she can send it my way. I'll be happy to indulge. I happen to like chocolate. Oh, what else? Okay. Oh, this is also interesting. And uh, in well, two cases in New Jersey, if you live in New Jersey, take heed to this one. And that is that two dogs, separate locations. One was Cherry Hill and one was in Camden County. And two raccoons, not the same raccoon, actually were rabid, attacked the dogs. Fortunately, the dogs had had the rabies shots. They were up to date. They still got a booster anyway to be safe. And they're all fine. But it goes to show you when we see not only the raccoons carry leptospirosis, which we're concerned about in many areas where we never really had to worry. But now that raccoons have sort of started to invade our, our territories. I mean, I was walking my dogs the other night and I saw literally a mama and three raccoons trailing behind. My dogs absolutely go nuts. And then a week ago, skunk. And there was a, oh, and also a coyote. It's crazy. My dogs are, are in a staring contest with something across the street. It's dark. I walked them late, 10, 1030. So I, I really couldn't see what's going on. And all of a sudden they were frozen and whatever they're looking at, because I couldn't see any movement. All of a sudden I see across the street, it was a coyote. And, and one of my dogs is a big 80 pound Labrador. Was, so I knew that this, this thing was not going to mess with that. Plus I have five dogs. So it's only, that, it's only one you'd have to mess with. You'd have to mess, mess with all five. And my little, my little French bulldog is such a Frenchie. He's, he, he, thinks, he thinks he's a, you know, a 95 pound Rottweiler, but no, he's just a Frenchie. But boy, to listen to his growl and his bark, you see, he's basically saying, no, don't mess with me, buddy. <laughs> and it's really, really cute. Anyway, when we come back, I got a couple few more stories. And also, if there is anything you would like me to cover topic-wise, because I can talk about almost anything, and I like to talk about almost anything. So while we're on the break, send me some ideas, send me something you'd like to hear, anything that's happened to your pet recently. And if not, don't worry, I'll come up with something. So don't go away, we'll be right back after these short messages. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, so uh, first of all, welcome back. And uh, you're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here, your host on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. And as soon as the show is over, usually I stick around. I like to talk to my, uh, my Instagram friends, but 
I have a plane to catch. Literally, I'm heading to the Western Veterinary Conference in Vegas. Flight leaves at 1130. I think I should be on it. So anyway, I'm making a beeline out of here as soon as the show is over. But you can always get a hold of me. Louis the Cavapoo. We were going to talk about that in a second. I have two more stories. And then we have, it's a very important thing to talk about. So I'll talk. So this was a great story also. And you know, it's great when other people or other industries find out the value of pets. And just having them and how important they are and, and what, what the great things they do for us. You know, my friend, Dr. Marty Becker wrote a book called The Healing Power of Pets. And he has so much data in there about the benefits of for kids growing up with pets in the house, for people, for elderly. I mean, it, the list goes on and on and on. And, I, and we're talking scientific studies, measuring stress and measuring blood pressure and heart defects. It is unbelievable. Arrhythmias, things that just get fixed just by touching a pet, petting. It's, it's crazy. Anyway, so the Northern, the North Carolina dental offices also realize the benefit for people. Yeah, people don't like going to the dentist. Uh, dentists often inflict pain. And, uh, you know, sadly, and we've talked about this, and I, I really want to delve more into it because it's freaking the hell out of me, is that dentists used to be the number one medical professional committing suicide. Now, sadly, it's the veterinarian. And we have a lot of reasons, and we'll talk about that in another show. People don't like going to the dentist, period. So they realize that bringing pets and let me, that was a great thing. Here's the problem. There are people out there, believe it or not, even though 70% of U.S. households have a pet, there are still 30% that are very loud and vocal, and they don't like pets. So they started writing to the, the dental board, and they worried about sanitation. They worried about danger. These dogs aren't going to bite anybody. They're like the same kind of dogs that go to hospitals. I mean, it's crazy. Anyway, so now they had banned this practice, and now the dogs who come have to have be certified facility dogs. So I guess the same dogs that visit hospitals can do this but you have to get a certification. I don't know what the, for North Carolina, that certification is, but just know that if you're North Carolina and you go to the dentist, ask if your dentist has a facility dog because you want to pet a dog while you're waiting to get, you know, get all this pain. Next, we talk about separation anxiety for dogs. And it's always talking about dogs. Guess what? First study comes out on separation anxiety for cats. And it does happen, uh, especially if they were weaned too young or they were very unaccustomed to regular human interaction. So when they just get a little of it and they, they get the taste of it, then if it's not there, they freak out. Whereas if, if you grow into a house and now you know the routine, and yes, mom's going to leave for, for the day, but they're going to come back, you don't see it as much. Anyway, destructive behavior, excessive vocalization, litter box problems. So of course, they, they, these could be signs of other problems as well. So I don't just think, oh, my cat has separation anxiety. Though it could. Um, you also want to make sure that there aren't other things going on. Now, little time left. Louis the Cavapoo. Let me read this out so you can all get. Louis is scheduled to get spayed tomorrow, but she started her first heat two days ago. The clinic says it's fine, but what is your opinion? Well, when you say it's fine, in, fine in what way? Okay. So let's talk about that for a second. First of all, why don't you ask your clinic when you're spaying a dog in heat, is it technically, is it a little more challenging or not? Is there swollen tissue? Is the tissue more friable? Is there more vascularization, meaning more bleeding? And the answer is yes, yes, yes. And at this point, now that she's already had her spay, whether it was the first or second, I hope it's not the second, but um, if, certainly if it's the first, we want them to have a first heat. That's the new, the new trend. Let them have their first. Then since we want, the next one's going to come seven months later, usually every seven months, then you have plenty of time. That's why I tell people, wait about two to three months after a heat. That way, all the swelling is down, less bleeding. It's more comfortable for them after the fact. Why subject them and you, the surgeon, to potentially just more headaches? Yeah, of course it can be done. I've done many in heat. 
many pyometra, which is when they have a huge uterine infection. But if you have a choice and you do, why even take the chance of more bleeding and friable tissue? It just, you might even have to make a bigger incision. Things are swollen. It's like, what's the point? Now, interestingly, I had a dog, and that is my theory. And so I like to push it off. And for large breeds, breeds that are prone as a senior dogs to osteosarcoma, bone cancer, and a study that came out that basically touted the benefits of not spaying early and the exposure to the sex hormones has some benefit to protect that bone later on in life when they're 8, 9, 10, 11, older dogs that get bone cancer from getting the bone cancer. So now for the big breeds, I'm waiting until a year and a half. Some breeders want to want to wait till two and let them have two heats. I'm on the fence about that one, but I definitely want to get it before the second heat. So let's talk first heat. So I have a patient belongs to a friend of mine, as I said, a beautiful Rhodesian Ridgeback, and she had her heat. She came to her first heat very late, which we're also noticing a lot of large breeds don't read the book. And instead of that first heat coming at seven months, it usually comes at, it could come at eight, nine, 10. This one, pennies came at 11 months. And instead of lasting the normal 21 days, it lasted like, oh my God, 30 plus days. I mean, over four weeks, almost five weeks. And finally it was over. And now we start counting. And we count about two months, eight weeks, and then give a chance to everything to settle, the tissues swelling to decrease, the vasculature to go back to normal, and then we were going to spare. So guess what happened five, six, seven days later, after being totally done, she started spotting again on her white little cover of her dog bed. In the morning, there's blood spots. Oh my God. So we do some testing, progesterone testing. We do some, which was very high. We do some vaginal cytology. And guess what? She's in heat again. Ah, so what, what is this thing? So again, this was her first heat. And honestly, I've never seen it before. And it doesn't mean it doesn't happen, obviously. It doesn't mean, it kind of means it's not, it's not uncommon. It does happen. It's in the books, but it's not super common. And that is a split heat. Remember, you have two horns, uterine horns. You have two ovaries, okay? So you have a left and right ovary. So one came into heat first. And then, so reading up on split heat, when does it happen the most in young dogs at their first heat? And so that, that, that explains it, why it's not that very common. We don't see it that often. It could happen to any dog at any time, but it's used, if it's going to happen, it's usually going to happen on the first heat. And in Penny's case, it did. So now, now it's almost like we finally finished. The owner's ready. We're going to get out two, you know, eight weeks, nine weeks, and then we're going to set up her spay. And guess what? It's all over again, starting from the beginning. And if the first time was any indication of her heats, meaning that it's, it, she has a really, really long heat, then um, anyway, then he's in for a big surprise. So even on this dog now, we are going to wait. We're going to wait till she finishes this. Her, it's the second half of her first heat. Still consider the first heat, by the way. Second half of the first heat, I'll wait eight weeks from the time this one's over, maybe 10 weeks, and then we're going to set her up for spay. So going back, would I spay a dog who just started? For, okay, let's tell you another, another problem with this, and that is this. When the hormone changes of heat are present, do male dogs in the neighborhood sense or not sense that she's in heat? And the answer, they sense it. They can sense it for blocks and blocks away. So now you see a dog who started the process already. So the hormonal changes are there and you go ahead and spay her during this heat. Now, when you spay her during a heat that's already started, does the heat cease? The answer, no, it doesn't. So hormonally, from a, a pheromone standpoint, from the male dogs wanting to mount her, that hasn't changed. But what's the danger? When you do a spay, you are cutting off 
the cervix, right? You got the horns, you go past the horns, you go to the cervix, and that's where you make your cut to actually do finish the spay. You're going to get any ovaries. It's, it's called ovario hysterectomy. So you're taking the ovaries, you're taking the uteri, and you're taking the body of the uterus up to about the cervix. So now what? Now you have a very short cervix. So the body of the uterus up to the cervix is very short. Now, if in fact she gets out and a dog mounts her and successfully inserts, then he can actually tear right through the stitches that were holding everything in place after it was incised. Why risk that? That's crazy. And if you have a vet, and this is where I get to talk about some of the things that I, dis I disagree with. I don't want to say anything bad. I disagree with many of the practices of my colleagues. Even if I have a client come in for something that's kind of elective, all right? And for what reason? The dog was fed, they forgot, they forgot to take the food, whatever it is, all right? I have no problem saying, you know what? I know you're here. I know you, you, know, you, you tried everything right, but I'll see you next week. I'll see you the week after that. It's no problem. I know the business is coming. I, why risk? You know, can you imagine you say to yourself this, what is the downside? to having you go home or calling and canceling tomorrow and say, you know what, because of the heat, I want to wait for a few weeks, eight weeks or so until the heat is over. And then we'll, I'll bring her in and no downside at all. It's your time, right? They'll, they, they'll, they, can, they'll, they, they can do another something in that slot or a big deal. They're going to get the business anyway, two and a half months down the road. But is there a downside to doing it, whether it's during the surgical procedure, which I said makes it a little more challenging, not impossible at all, but it's a little more challenging. Or the worry and the concern after the procedure about making sure that no dog gets near her. So yeah, you're just adding some more anxiety and angst to something that is otherwise rather commonplace. And I, therefore, if it were my patient, I would say, no, I, I would expect you. Or if you came in and you wanted the surgery and you said, oh, by the way, she just started her heat two days ago, I'd say, oh, well, we're not doing it today. Absolutely not. We'll reschedule. Give me eight more weeks. We'll reschedule. So if you have any questions uh, after all this, reach out to me. Uh, normally, I could stay on for a while, but I can't today because I have a literally when I say I got a plane to catch, I have a plane to catch. So thank you for all joining me. Uh, you know that you, I'm always available. You can always get me. I love when you can uh, contact me. It's one thing when I come up with subjects because I'm coming up with subjects that I like, but you're my followers. You're my listeners. You're my friends that, that want to come on. I'd rather talk about things that you like. So whether you're on Pet Life Radio, whether you're on Instagram, just send me, you know, get it. It's so easy. Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. And anything that comes to me is forwarded to me. Even if you just send something to Pet Life Radio, Mark Winter, our producer, he forwards them to me. So it's very difficult not to be able to get a hold of me. So uh, keep that in mind. So I will be here live on Instagram. So send me stuff. All right, have a great week. Um, hopefully, I'm sure I'll have a lot of fun in Vegas at the Western Veterinary Conference. It's like one of the nation's largest conferences. So there's always something to learn. I still need more CE hours. I only got 12 when I was at Crested Butte at the Colorado VMA. So I got to sit in a couple of sessions anyway. So I will. All right, see you here next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.